0: Hi, I'm Becky O'Connor. And I'm Kyle Caldwell. And this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, we're talking about inheritance. It can be an awkward subject as it's essentially dealing with two awkward subjects, money and death. Not to mention family dynamics thrown in for good measure, but it is nonetheless a reality of life and something we need to talk about. Luckily, Shona Lowe, financial planning expert at Aberdeen, is here to help us pick apart the practicalities and how we go about breaking the silence on inheritance. So that's a good place to start, Shona. Maybe discussing inheritance over Christmas lunch isn't the very best idea, but is there ever a good time to bring it up? So you're
1: right. I wouldn't necessarily recommend over the Christmas dinner, but definitely is one of those conversations. If you can start it, then the sooner you start it, the better. The worst thing I think you could probably do here is to keep putting it off. Um, and that's because the earlier the conversation happens in the family or happens with an advisor, the more options you'll have, the more it will feel a more like a sort of relaxed conversation about the future and about leaving a legacy and doing really positive things and sharing assets in the future and, and less about a really difficult discussion about something that might be more imminent, um, which is then just going to make a, a difficult discussion even harder.
0: I mean, when we talk about... Um, as as early as possible my kids are 8 and 11 like I'm not really going to be telling them about what they're going to be inheriting yet so we're really talking about adult children and adult parents aren't we and but who who should broach the subject first or doesn't it really matter I mean ideally you would want parents to discuss it first wouldn't you since it's their assets being discussed but I guess that doesn't always happen
1: no, and do you know what? There's absolutely no right answer there, to be honest. And we see clients, and probably from our own experiences, have seen some very different approaches. And ultimately, I think a lot of it will depend on the dynamics of the relationship what's going on in your family, how your family tend to approach and think about money. Um, so in terms of what we've seen, and what we've seen, I suppose, work well is that often when it comes to inheritance tax as a specific part of that inheritance conversation, we have often seen the discussion being driven by the adult children, because to be honest, they've realised that alongside the inheritance they're hoping to achieve, they're potentially looking at getting a tax bill to deal with as well. And that might prompt them to want to to have that conversation. Likewise, when parents find themselves in a situation perhaps inheriting from their own parents, and they maybe see how different it could have been, how much more positive it could have been if they'd been involved and maybe um, been part of that process earlier, or maybe less positively have seen and, and had a really difficult situation go wrong, perhaps where their parents didn't leave wills and they've had a lot of stuff to deal with, that might make them want to trigger that conversation off sooner with their own family and make sure that their own family doesn't suffer from the same difficulties that they did. So I think we probably see it coming from all those different angles. The important thing I think is to get the conversation started, not perhaps to maybe worry about whether you're the right person or the, the wrong person to be kicking it off.
0: And is there an ideal time to talk about it? Because I'm thinking, you know, it has to be at a point in somebody's life where they've built up assets and, you know, they they might be either liable for inheritance tax, or even if they're not, that, they're, you know, they've got children and they're thinking about how to divide up those assets to some extent. So, you it can't be very early. I mean, I, you know, I made the point about my own kids, but I think it would be too early for me. But then also you, you don't want to leave it too late. And, and not just because, you know, it becomes harder to discuss things. There are inheritance tax implications, too, for leaving it too late. And can we point, point to any particular age where these things tend to crystallise?
1: Controversially, I would literally say you are never too young to to think about this. We have clients who come to us in their 20s um, who want to make sure that they have made some really conscious, deliberate steps about what they want to do. And genuinely, I would say it is never you're never too young to start thinking about this. And interestingly, some of our most complex will drafting in particular comes from some of our youngest clients because they don't yet have um, maybe an established um, family of their own. They may be not married, not in a civil partnership. They don't have their own children. And so actually they've got some really quite complex views on where they want things to go. They, they want to benefit friends. They want to benefit siblings, maybe. They want to leave money to charity, none of which would happen by accident. So actually making those very deliberate steps at that young age are really important. But the other point I was going to pick up on was when you mentioned there about, do you need to wait until you've built up lots of wealth? Absolutely not. Um, However much you have worked hard to build up, it's important and it matters. And because it matters and because it's important and because you will have worked hard for it, taking steps to make sure that it's going to go to where you want it to go to is just so, so important. Um, So never too young. Um, it's not tied to wealth. But I think what I would point out is there are probably some really key life events. And, and you've mentioned a couple of them there, Becky, where you really should be thinking about passing on wealth. So is it when you buy a house, maybe when you get married, when you have children, maybe when you get divorced, a bereavement in the family, getting an inheritance yourself? All of those are key key things that will impact your finances and impact your views on your future and whenever you have an event that impacts your finances and impacts your views on the future looking as far as you can down that line and making sure that you've taken control right the way along is absolutely critical so I'm going to encourage you now to to not feel like you shouldn't have started it because (laughs) it definitely is something to get going with.
0: (laughs) Um, and in, in terms of the age and the um, point in the life of the recipient, is there a good time to give a living inheritance or and, and also, I guess, to receive one um, where there's like an optimum positive impact on
1: your life? And do you know what? That's something we see so often with clients. And often it's because in their situation, it's because of a disappointment in their own position that they actually may be inherited from their own parents at a later date than when it would have perhaps been most useful to them. So we do see more and more clients, I would say, probably in their 50s and their 60s, wanting to make sure that they do lifetime gifting um, as opposed to what their parents did, which was perhaps to wait um, until they passed away and pass the assets down. So lifetime gifting, as you say, is such a positive way to support people, um, such a positive way to look after people we care about. I think what will impact the timing is it can be driven by a lot of different factors. So um, it might be driven by tax decisions. So it might be about trying to do some inheritance tax planning. That might be something that would drive it to be later in the process, because people tend to look at inheritance tax later. However, It might be simply to help someone in the family financially who's struggling for whatever reason. We know a lot of people are struggling financially at the minute. And we are, because of that, seeing people maybe pulling forward their support for family members because of all of those issues we see um, and people struggling financially. Um, Other times it could be tied to a specific event. So it might be the birth of a grandchild might be what actually triggers that. So what I would say is there's never really an optimum stage whether it's a good time or not for you will be dependent on whether you can afford it. So whether you can afford to give away money, whether you can afford to support somebody else, and being in a position to be able to do that in the right way to achieve what you want to achieve. And as long as you can afford it, and you're comfortable, you know what you want to do, and you know how you're going to go about achieving it, then again, no right time, it's going to be very much down to the individual.
0: I'm really, really getting the message that the sooner you start thinking about these things, the better. And, you know, just keep thinking about them really as you go along. Um, and in terms of, you know, the practicalities here, what, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about inheritance? What are assets? What is an estate? And um, what, you know, what makes our estate official and, and what we're giving official Absolutely. So I think
1: if you're going to start thinking about estate planning um, in its kind of broadest sense, then the absolute best place to start is to understand what your estate is made up of. And that maybe sounds like a really obvious point, but actually... Not only understanding what makes up your estate in terms of what you've got the power to pass on and what you don't, um, but also um, how much your estate is worth. And that's something people quite often massively underestimate um, gives you that ability to understand whether there's something you need to look at from a tax perspective, but also knowing what you have. you the ability to start thinking about where you would want it to go um now because that's not necessarily necessarily straightforward it is absolutely an area where we would always recommend you have a conversation with a specialist um so whether that's your financial advisor whether that's um your kind of trusted family solicitor it's one of the reasons why we within Aberdeen wanted to make sure we actually had an internal team who could really focus on that estate planning whether it was will drafting or tax planning um because it is such an important conversation, there are some DIY solutions. So you talked about making things official, you you, you can kind of make things official yourself by having a, a will drafted, there are various online companies. And um, what I would say is that quality really, really varies um, across that and the quality of the output that you'll get and the extent to which it will have taken into account your individual circumstances. So I would always just caveat then by saying if you're going to do this yourself just be really confident you know what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve that but in terms of making it official understanding what you have is the first point of call really and then starting to think about what you want to do about it and then your sort of first taste of official documentation, I suppose, would be looking at how you structure your will, and what you want your will to look like, and how you want that to support the people you care about most.
0: Is there anything we should tackle first? So I mean, people obviously think about the house now more than anything as the thing that's going to generate the inheritance issue, mainly because house prices have meant that, you know, the value of a main residence has gone up so much so should that be the thing that we tackle first or should it be you know if, if somebody's got a very large isa portfolio i mean do you go down in size order
1: i think often people will look at the family home because they see that that has a value again people's pensions can take up a significant portion of their overall estate value and as you say for some people ISAs and things like that can can be very significant I think, though, if we're if we're helping our clients and working with our clients to, to really create a proper estate plan, we would see that as having three main elements rather than actually looking at the assets themselves. It's more about having that overall plan. And when we break down those those elements, I suppose, where we would be looking to help people with first is understand and making sure you're not paying any more tax than you need. So that's kind of a, a first port of call. That's how do you make sure you've maximised what you have to enjoy and also minimised your your ongoing taxation and ultimately any inheritance tax you might face. Um, making sure you've taken control of your decision making. So that stays on track. So that starts to look at powers of attorney and how you appoint someone to make decisions on your behalf if you can't for any reason. And then lastly, it's about how do you pass on as much as you can to the people you choose. So as I say, it's less about tackling individual assets one at a time and more about looking at what you have and then having a plan that delivers against those three elements as such.
0: Okay. And can I, when I'm deciding what's going in my estate, can I put absolutely anything in there? Could I put this Mac computer that I'm talking to you on now in my estate could I put my favorite armchair in my estate are there any limits to it
1: No, I mean, pretty much as as long as as long as you own it, and you have the ability to pass it on, um, regardless of its value, so it could be something very small, um, but with a very high value. So you might be looking at jewellery, it could be something very large, but that only has a sentimental value. As long as it's yours, and it's yours to give away, then it's up to you to say where you would like it to go. And really important, as we move into more and more of a digital world to bear in mind that it's not just tangible assets as well. So you might well have digital assets and um, that you want to pass on, you know, really important things like access to your photos and, you know, other kind of less tangible things, but which are really valuable, not necessarily financially, but from a sentimental um, basis, things like passwords for accounts, things like that. You need to have a plan for all of those. Um, But generally, from a succession plan perspective, again, it's one of those ones that has a couple of elements to it. So we would always look at a succession plan as having sort of three main pillars to it when you're looking at passing on sort of tangible assets. The first one that's really important is making sure you've given instructions for any death in service payment that you might get um, while you're in employment. Um, the second one is making sure you've got instructions for any unused pension funds. So you might have heard of them called your expression of wish or death benefit nominations, really important there in place and kept up to date. And then essentially everything you talked about there would probably be mopped up in, the, in your overall estate instructions, your house, your contents, investments, your car, your computer, your slippers, anything else you might want to pass on and that would all be dealt with under the terms of your will um, and each of those three pillars has a slightly different approach um, might have slightly different documentation but ultimately what you're looking to do is make sure they're all really clear really comprehensive so that people can follow them but perhaps most importantly of all that they all work together to form an overall succession plan and that nothing kind of clashes with anything else along
0: the way. So interesting about the digital assets I hadn't thought about the photos but of course that you know we all depend on those hard drives now and google drives um to house our our most treasured memories don't we We, we've mentioned tax a couple of times now and you know we do tend to think about inheritance and inheritance tax in the same breath how much do we need to worry about inheritance tax how much are, are we collectively likely to pay and you know what are the main ways that we can reduce that bill if indeed we do face one.
1: Yeah, so this is um such a popular topic. I mean, it's always it's always a really emotive topic. Inheritance tax is generally something people do not want to spend money on, most people don't want HMRC to be one of the main beneficiaries of their estate. So it absolutely, as you say, is a really, really, really hot topic. And to be honest, it's catching more and more estates. Um, The rates that underpin inheritance tax have been frozen for so long now. And as property prices and investments have grown over the years, more and more estates are moving either into inheritance tax for the first time or further into inheritance tax than they were there before. So it's not a particularly straightforward tax, and and we could probably do a whole whole podcast just on inheritance tax, but just for current purposes, your basic exemption for inheritance tax is something called the nil rate band, which means that generally each of us will have £325,000 that we can leave before inheritance tax is charged. So very basically, you work out the value of your estate, everything that's part of your estate for tax purposes, you then take £325,000 off, and then the balance is charged at 40% for inheritance tax purposes. Um, So if you're doing that now, you're working out what your potential future liability could be. Um, Obviously, if that's done as part of winding up an estate, then that's to ultimately do the sum to come up with a number. So when you start to factor in property prices, £325,000 for a lot of people won't go very far towards reducing the value of their estate. And as a result, 40% of the balance can be quite significant. Now, there are allowances that mean that less of your estate might be charged at 40%. So you've got a spousal exemption, which allows you to leave money to a spouse or civil partner free from inheritance tax. Um, you've got something called the residence no-rate band, which looks to address the issues of main homes causing people to be subject to inheritance tax. Um, you've got agricultural and business relief, which can help um, for those specific circumstances. And for some people who are making significant charitable legacies in their will, leaving more than 10% of their estate to charity, then their um, inheritance tax rate might not even be 40% in the first place. It could well be 36% instead. So it is it is quite complicated. We have um, a little calculator that, that we use to help clients kind of get started um, on that. Um, but, what we do see more and more is that if you do do that calculation and you do realize you have an inheritance tax problem potentially coming in the future, lots of people are going to want to do things about it, and there are lots and lots of things you can do during life so um whether that's about bringing the bill down, whether that's about creating a means to pay it from outside of the estate, so many of those exemptions are available there really is kind of in there something for everyone you've got an annual exempt amount of £3,000 that you can give away. You've got a small gifts exemption. You can make gifts from surplus income. You can make potentially exempt gifts from capital as investment solutions. There really is a plethora of options. And good inheritance tax planning is about understanding what the quality of life is that you want and what tax bill is acceptable to you in order to maintain that quality of life. So it's not about giving everything away. It's not about sacrificing everything. It's about getting that balance right and almost seeing all of those exemptions as options and understanding which ones will work well for you and how you apply those reliefs to your own circumstances. And again, like the conversation about inheritance, starting it as early as possible. The earlier you start it, the longer you've got for those various exemptions to come into effect and the less likely you'll have to do something significant to start to get rid of the problem.
0: And do you think it's a good idea to involve the um, the beneficiaries in the in your? the process of you sorting out your estate, trying to manage the potential tax burden, your conversations with advisors and planners, or, you know, do they not really need to know until the fat lady sings, if you like, is it, do we, you know, should we sort of involve them in those conversations?
1: So I think there's a difference between need and want. So do you need to involve your beneficiaries in your succession planning um absolutely not um your will is entirely private it's a private document and it's up to you how open you want to be about it and when um but would you maybe want to have those conversations then probably yes if if your family approach to money and your 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 openness around about finances can be supportive of that then having that conversation can be a really helpful way to make sure you have taken on board um, the understanding more broadly around the family about what you're going to be passing on, how you want to pass it on, um, how those people are going to then react to that situation. For some families, it's easier to have known about it beforehand than to find out about it after the event. But back to where this conversation started, death and money, two really, really difficult conversations. Um, and to combine them into one can be even harder. So I suppose my, my call out here would be to say, do you have to have that conversation? No. Um, Should you have that conversation with advisor, even if you don't have it with your family? Absolutely, yes. If your family is such that this would be a good and helpful and positive conversation, um, then absolutely having that conversation as well. And, and maybe looking at how you can trigger that in a very sort of soft way so maybe it's about picking up on an advert on the television from a charity looking for um, legacy donations that might be a way to start the conversation could it be around about you know a story in the news about someone famous who's passed away and perhaps their family are having some trouble organizing themselves into a sort of an, an aligned view on what should happen um or is it simply that a friend or a family member is going through something and actually that gives you the ability to widen that conversation out so is it helpful conversation? Yes. Is it often really difficult? Yes. As an absolute catch, although if you can't have the conversation within your family, make sure you have it with an advisor so that you are well organised, well set up and it becomes something you don't need to worry about.
0: On a personal note, I, I would really recommend that people do have that conversation. When my mum was dying, we um, I'm from Nottingham, which is a very blunt, slightly northern place. And we um, we had very frank conversations about money and about the house and about what was going to happen, where her will was, and all these things around her deathbed with my stepdad and my sister. And it was, it felt, you know, I suppose depending on on your viewpoint and what your family's like, that might sound a bit too much, but actually it was great and it was so reassuring for all of us. And mum felt very reassured that we were looked after and that we knew what was going to happen and she knew that we would find that reassuring too. So I completely agree, it does depend on the family, but certainly for my family that was really, really valuable to have those conversations.
1: And, and I would I would echo that. I lost my mom last year and we spoke about it very openly and I found it really, really hard. But ultimately, I'm really, really glad we did it. Um, I think she felt very reassured. I, as it turned out, was much better prepared. Um, so was it easy? No. But was it in hindsight the right thing? Yes. I'm I'm really glad we
0: had the conversation as well. I reckon we've probably managed to convince the listeners there between us and <laughs> um, Have you got three top tips that you would like to leave for people today to take away with them and have a think about?
1: I've probably got 30, but
0: yeah. I, will na- I will
1: happily narrow it down to three. I think so first would be just to reiterate something I said before, really understand your estate, um, what makes it up, what it's worth. And then take the time if you can. I appreciate it's probably not a very exciting job, but take the time if you can to gather all that important information together in one place. So whether that is policy numbers, account numbers, reference numbers, passwords, things like that. We have a a very straightforward document we have um, called All About Me, which is just designed to make sure you can gather everything together, have it in one place, keep it very safe, obviously, um, but do have that information all in one place. It does make, if anything does happen to you, it does make it infinitely easier for other people to pick up and very effectively look after your estate, but it just gives you that feeling of being completely in control. I think second would be to build on that with an estate plan. So taking into account how you are really tax efficient, how you take control of your decisions and how you bring together your succession plan to pass on those assets in the way you would want. And then third, if it hasn't come across the last nine times I've mentioned it, starting everything as soon as you possibly can, definitely not leaving it. Um, If you think about it nice and early it feels more like a practical step as part of looking after your finances. If it's left late, it becomes to have much more difficult connotations around about the fact that this is talking about passing assets on. This is in some way tied to maybe an individual person who's maybe not well. Um, it It gets harder emotionally the longer it's left, but it also gets harder from a a practicality perspective in terms of the options you'll have. So yeah, final plea from me, start it sooner rather than later, please.
0: So fantastic tips there, whether you're 30, 45 or 75. Thank you so much, Shona. And thanks for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get the chance, leave us a review or rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you want us to talk about via email which is otm at ii.co.uk and in the meantime you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.